Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to your latest edition of Red Men Weekly, where we look back at some of the best clips from the Red Men Plus shows over the past seven days. Remember, if you want to hear any of these shows in full, head over there now and sign up as a Club Captain Yearly subscriber. Use the code WEEKLY, that's W-E-E-K-L-Y, and you will get 20% off. That is a boss deal. Get over there and do it. Right, let's get into the clips now, and we'll start off with the final word show where myself, Sam and Andy take a look back at Liverpool 2, Arsenal 2 in what was an enthralling encounter take a listen what do you make of multiple players appealing to the crowd to get up and into the game now bring it up now because i'm about to touch on the zaka and jacket and trent stuff but what do you make i think we've seen it a lot didn't we sam with canate trent himself doing it i think a few players after incidents were kind of yeah. geeing up the crowd a little bit what do you make of that is that a good thing in terms of their showing passion does it need to happen I, I think they also realize that this season's been a difficult season for a number of different ways and and you know like the media can say what they want and our fans who are negative can say what they want, but it's been an absolute car crash for six or seven different reasons across the season, happening again and again and again and again. Mm-hmm. Um, and they understand, and other football teams understand the power of Anfield and that we can win games of football at Anfield just because of what we nearly won yesterday, just purely because of the, the absolute ruckus atmosphere. Yeah. So they know that if we get up, then they can get up and then it just puts so much pressure and intensity on the other team. Mm-hmm. I've got nothing wrong with that, because what that's actually doing is crediting our crowd and our atmosphere, and you saw them reluctantly saying it in the media afterwards. So I think it was Sky Sports were talking about it, and Roy Keane's biting his tongue, his cheek, his nose to say it, but he, he can't avoid it anymore. It's, yeah. it's a special atmosphere. Why wouldn't you tap into that? Mm-hmm. And and if that helps Trent, sound. If, 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 you, if you doing that makes you feel big, and go for it, lad, because... You know, we all want to be part of it. Nobody yeah. wants to go in the game and sit there clapping like you're at the Emirates no. or like you're well, not anymore. They're doing all right. Like, you know, certain <laughs> grounds, you know, Fulham and them, they're yeah. not really big, ruckus atmospheres. No. So why not? Yeah, I'm okay with it. I think the, the Liverpool crowd's always been a very sort of reactive one. And yeah. people will say about, you know, half 12 at home to yeah. Brentford <laughs> on a Saturday afternoon, you know, th- that crowd isn't going to be up for it. We're not going to be. It's not like, I don't know, Dortmund or like Rangers or Celtic where there's kind of a group of vultures behind the goal and it's a constant backdrop of noise. And to be honest, I don't even think that helps the players that much. If you're playing, mm. if you're playing dreadfully 20 minutes into a game and you've got this sort of drone of a chant going on in the background. Drums. Like you hear, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like White you, noise at some like point. Literally, yeah, 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 yeah. Like you hear in, in Europe, then I'm not sure that helps them that much. And then sort of when you do get on the ball a little bit more or you do get a bit more momentum, then 
you know, if the crowd's sort of been singing the whole time anyway, I'm not sure that, that it makes much of a difference, but it's, it's a sort of a very reactive crowd. And I'm not, you know, I don't mind them sort of in moments getting a little bit more of a burst from the crowd. Say if we get a corner yeah. um, or whatever, like Trent going over, some gets, gets the crowd up, always sort of claps when he goes over the, for the corner. But it's very much a Liverpool, um, the crowd in Anfield will always react to what's happening on the pitch. And, you know, you see the complete contrast in the atmosphere in the first 30 minutes and the last 60 minutes yesterday. Yeah, well, we have a certain Granny Jacker to thank for that. I think Mikel Arteta, part of his... We know last year he had the "You'll Never Walk Alone" playing at his training ground as a way of like preparing his players. I think <laughs> part of preparing his players for this one, might, he might have mentioned, "Don't get the crowd angry, don't rile them up," because he did that himself, obviously with Jurgen Klopp. And this time it was Granite Xhaka. Be fair, if it wasn't going to be Arteta, I think Xhaka was a pretty safe next bet. Yeah. So he to do something a bit stupid. So he has an incident with Trent Alexander-Arnold, um, and it made the crowd gnarly. It seemed to inspire the players, mm. and obviously you guys are both in the stands. It seemed to get the crowd up for it as well. And did you notice, Sam? Did you notice an instantaneous reaction from everyone at that moment? Because that was when it turned two 0 down mm. in the game. Pretty much, well, second best in every department, I think it's fair yeah, to say, up until yeah. that point. They were the better team. The fans were singing they're going to win the league. Everything was seemingly <laughs> going against us. And then that happens. Did you notice a change? Yeah, I, I did. I mean, I don't think it was quite as... I remember the Arteta one with Klopp. That was like literally a switch turned on. The I think, lightning rod, wasn't it? Yeah. I think there was frustration within the crowd because of the way the game was panning out. But I think... Yeah, that, that was definitely a, a big moment in the game. There was a moment, a couple of... Um, maybe minutes before where Van Dyke gets booked and there's an opportunity for Verge to do it and it just shows where his confidence is at. The ball goes wide, I think maybe Martinelli, and it's it's just a bit in front of him. And if Verge wants, he can take the man, the ball, the lot and send it into a frenzy. He stops, then half sticks his foot out and the fouls him and gets booked. And yeah. it, for me, that was kind of where we were at. Mm. I ho- I was like, go on, Verge. I was just kept shouting to everyone, smash him, smash him. Because we needed it for the crowd. I needed to kick Arsenal to realise where they were. Yeah, Canate does that, doesn't he? Yeah, one Bang, point, like, yeah, yeah, just takes everything. Yeah, exactly. And you saw the uproar. And mm-hmm. I think Klopp said it before the game in the press conference, didn't he? Like, you know, the, it takes the one tackle, it takes one moment. But I'll be honest, and I think that would have happened at some point in the game anyway, because I think our fans were just waiting. It could have been a tackle, a header. Yeah. I think something would have triggered it. The fact that it's Jack, I actually feel a bit sorry for him. He's had such a good season. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and unfortunately for him, he's going to kind of feel the brunt of that. Whereas actually, it's not on him. They had half time as well, Arsenal. Let's not have, let's have it right. They had mm-hmm. a 15 minute break where we were quiet again. Mm-hmm. So, but for that moment, for our first goal back, I've, I, I do think that little bit of inspiration and Trent, especially of all people as well, Trent yeah. get going for it, that helps. Well, he seems to take it personally, didn't he, Trent? Let's yeah. be honest, because from that moment out, his, his first half an hour, as well as the rest of the side, was questionable. I think it's fair yeah. to say he's half involved in the second goal, but from that moment on, he was absolutely outstanding. Let, let's talk about him now. I won't come on to the goal, actually. Mm. Um, let's talk about Trent, Andy. He was superb, wasn't he, after that? Yeah, really, really good. Obviously, very interesting the position that he's he's yeah. taken up. It seems to be doing the thing that Man City do with John Stones, where it's four at the back, but in possession, he comes into the midfield and makes it like a three and a two in front. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the way all the top European teams seem to be building up at the minute. It gives you triangles everywhere. Um, you've always got an option. It makes you more difficult to press. Obviously, it's, the game's gone a lot more towards the idea of pressing, I think. And, um, you know, having those triangles and having those options is really important. There were teething problems. There's no doubt about that. There definitely were teething problems. We thought Trent didn't see an awful lot of the ball first half hour. Looked a little bit lost mm. um, at times. He was an option, but he was never really getting on it. And I suppose when he's out there on the right hand side, he's it's quite he's quite difficult to mark. You know, it's you can't really put a man right out there. You need to keep your shape quite centrally. Um, and what it sort of became was like all of our threat was in the center of the pitch, mm. and it was easy just to close us in and and do this, that, and the other. But yeah. 
I thought like I thought he he really really grew into the game and like you know it's it's an interesting one that that position because for me like I'm looking at it now in the league table we're twelve points behind top four um so why wouldn't we try a few new things like that yeah. going into next season mm. don't get me wrong I still think we should try and win these last nine games if we do win them all then we could be there or thereabouts mm. but like why not try these things out try yeah. him in the six try him in the eight I'm not convinced um possibly that, that he can play in the eight because I think he, he needs that sort of space in front of him to, yeah. to get his head up and pick a pass I think we, we, he plays there is Stamford Bridge towards the end of the season like three or yeah. four years ago yeah. um, and it just doesn't work and he hasn't touched it since and I, I, I think his, his, his long-term position probably still is it right back but you know why not try these things out we've got nine games now um and then going into next season we're absolutely certain on what our best 11 is where they're where they're playing mm. and we can go from there but the other thing i suppose um it, it, it didn't help salah his new position i don't think because that triangle that trent henderson and salah always mm. do on the right hand side wasn't really there to the same extent um and you know you could see gabriel was like really really tight to salah all game and mm -hmm. um, now salah got the better of him a couple of times i actually think um, you know, notwithstanding the penalty, Salah had a really good game, but it's more difficult for him then. He doesn't have that option on the right-hand side. And I actually thought Jordan Henderson had a really, really good game, yeah. just recycling the ball yeah. um, and and getting his foot on it and helping us out and being an option out there. And as I say, there's normally three of them. There were two of them for a hell of a lot of that game yesterday. Do you know what, though? It's interesting because you can see now why our season's been such a catastrophe as well. Because do you remember earlier on this season, we were talking about this Trent's position and, and, and Salah's position? Who was playing yesterday that facilitated both of those things? It's Henderson, isn't it? No, well, Henderson was playing at the beginning of the season. It's Canate. Oh, sorry, right, yeah. When you've got Canate at centre-half, who can cover the space and get out to a wing and he's quick enough to, to, to stay with them, um, and that one-on-one -on -one situation, you can afford Trent to dip into the midfield. At the beginning of the season, when Canate had that bizarre injury, he was out for like five months yeah. or whatever it was, we had Matip and Gomez playing there, and Gomez is quick enough, but he's not smart enough. Matip's not quick enough or smart enough. So when you've got Trent ducking in field mm. and, and, and we didn't have the guy to cover him, Salah, if you think, I know what he's saying about those triangles and stuff, but in this new way, what you do with Salah is you make him go one-on-one -on -one with the centre-half yeah. because when you tuck inside, the full-back's got to come in almost with you like Zinchenko did. Yeah. And I know he kind of does that anyway, but yeah. if, if you watch the next game, if you play against Leeds and, and, and uh, Trent tucks inside, you'll probably see um, the leads um, left back having to almost come with him mm -hmm. and it exposes Salah 1v1 with a centre half mm -hmm. and that's what Which you is want what you want yeah I get so I, I get what you're saying it's a bit different but you can almost see now why we've been had such a bad season when our, the centre half that we were almost building our system around yeah. potentially potentially yeah. has been missing half the year Hey, I hope you enjoyed that. There is a lad look back at what was an amazing game of footy. Right next up, we go to the Journo Insight, where Paul spoke to Neil Jones on the back of Liverpool pulling away from the Jude Bellingham deal. Paul and Neil spoke about exactly why the Reds aren't pursuing the England midfielder, as well as some of the possible alternative targets. The quote from, from James's just Pierce's article was, He's a senior Anfield source have indicated that following lengthy discussion, the deal stopped making sense. Yeah. Um, is Jürgen Klopp in those conversations? Oh, yeah, ab absolutely. I mean, <laughs> that's the biggest question. I mean, it is a question that I'm sure he'll be asked on Friday. I'm sure I'm, I don't <laughs> know if you can guess the, the uh, get ready at an, at an early press conference as well. So you'll have all day to fume. Um, but he'll be asked, I'm sure, about the situation. But the question that I... I would ask if I if I get the chance. I'm always last on, so usually he's asked, been asked it before I get round to me. But would be who's making these who's making this decision because you, your sporting director's on his way out. The guy who was the sort of glue that linked the owners and the the football side 
we're told has moved back from that role. So this is Mike Gordon. Mike Gordon, who's moved away. There's nobody, the other people, senior figures on the recruitment team, yeah, Dave Fallows, Barry Hunter, others, yeah. Have they got a say in it, in, in, you know, or are they just, uh, you know, are they sort of a, the doers in, in, in the um, in the story? It has to be the manager, doesn't it? It has to be him sort of certainly driving a lot of the what Liverpool needs, what to do. And that that is interesting, isn't it? Because I don't think there are many managers in the Premier League at the moment who are who've got as much responsibility as him for for sort of not just the especially especially given the form, fixing the problems on the pitch, but also juggling these things off the off the pitch where it's a case of, well, do you want that? Or do you want this? Or what do you want? You know, those kind of things. I, I think in the past it's been a bit more sort of obvious where it's like, well, okay, Jürgen will sort of make his, his representation and he wants this and the club will tell him whether he can do it or not and then he'll move on. I think now it's almost like they're deciding with Jürgen what, what they're going to do as opposed to sort of, you know, feeding back to him. But that's that's the obvious is, um, conclusion to reach. Is the thing with Jürgen involved in this though is he can't, He, he he's a smart man. He knows he's got lots of credit in the bank, but credit runs out pretty yeah. quickly he, he, he'll he be acutely aware of how much this summer needs to be right yeah. because he and and is almost I guess he will be aware of the added scrutiny that this is putting on him and he will, you would guess he's the one ultimately making the decision and the decision will be would you and it's a, sim, a simplification to say you can have Bellingham and you'll have £50 million left over to, to do the rest or you can have these three players for that price and have £50 million left over and he's effectively choosing the latter yeah. option but he will know that he has to get the recruitment right this summer because he can't afford another season like yeah. this one and also I suppose the other, the other point to make on that is you have to know you can get those players as well. You know, if it's a case of let's—I mean, let's just use three names I can see on here: Barella, Mount, Caicedo. Let's say that was the argument. Mm-hmm. Oh, we get that, get those three. <laughs> what what happens if you go to get Caicedo on Brighton? So we're not selling him. Yeah, we want hundred million, and you say, well, we can't. We're not paying that. Just like, well, okay, we'll cross him off your list. Mason Mount says, you know what? Frank Lampard's got the Chelsea job. I'll sign a new contract at Chelsea. I'm going to stay. You go oh, right, okay. That's that's. That's a blow. All of a sudden, you, you, you're halfway down your, your reserve list, and you, you, you've, you've lost time. You've lost whatever. You know, you're all of a sudden you're in a position where it's like, oh god, like what, what do we do? So, could you reach the conclusion that Liverpool have got something in mind where they've, they've made some progress on some of these fronts? I think, I think it's fair. I think that's a fair um, hope to have. Given some of the comments from Jurgen, I think he said on positive on the on in, in terms of players, didn't he? He said we will definitely spend. Um, there have been talks, no decisions, but, but positive talks. Okay, so if Liverpool made some progress with some of these players, that is the that is the hope, and I think it needs it needs to be sort of finished off as well because I don't think Liverpool can, they can't go into the summer with this idea where you start seeing this this sort of bidding war coming on and you know first bid rejected and are oh, Liverpool going to go back with an improved bid or are oh, Liverpool are just monitoring that situation but you know Manchester United might steal them. Liverpool need to be in a position where it goes bang 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 there are, there are players thank you right let's 
Well, sort of draw a line under it. That's the 2016 summer thing all over again, isn't it? Is that the latest one to come in was pretty much Genie, I think, and yeah, maybe yeah. Manninger, you know, around, around yeah, time. But I mean. Liverpool got their business done early, early doors. Yeah, yeah. So they they've done it they a few times, haven't they? In the box. Yeah, they've done it. That was their, their MO, wasn't it? You know, you think of 2018 was another one. Big summer, Alison Fabinho, Cater came, obviously. I mean, Cater was lined up a year earlier. Fabinho was signed the day after the Champions League final, the Monday after the Champions League final. I think the last one to come in was probably Shakiri. Sort of that was during the tour, which was late July. So yeah, they were they were they were in place. They have to be in place. Danny Ward was just getting on the coach at Blackburn after a preseason yeah, preseason game. Yeah. <laughs> convinced and he was starting. Yeah, came in. So, but that I think that it needs to be like that now. You know. It, it's only gonna. They're gonna get a lot of criticism now. They're already. I'm, I haven't even seen the Discord, but I know they'll be getting criticism. I know. I know from the text of the man, the tweets, what you know, what fans think about all this. I agree with a lot of it. They can't now look like they're winging it with with the second choice. You know, they they they. It has to be sort of. Look, we're sorry about that. Yeah, we're not doing that. But this is what we're doing. It has to be that. It can't be. We'll have a look, you know. Like, yeah, you know, if 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 they lower that asking price, we'll go in. Or, or, or if he if he doesn't go there, or he doesn't sign a new contract, we'll do that. It has to be sort of more ruthless the way Liverpool operate. And I I I, I have big doubts about whether they'll do it. Really? Yeah, because because it, just of what they've done in the past, and 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 the position that the club finds itself in, and the competition that there are for players. You look at some of these names on here. Yeah. So yeah, we'll, we'll do, go through Alexis McAllister. I think you'll have you'll have suitors. Moises Caicedo's already had suitors. Uh, Declan Rice suitors definitely competition. Ryan Gravenberg already linked with Arsenal today, you know, or, or recently. They they aren't players that you go well. They're they're, they're Liverpool's if they want them. They're, they're they're players that Liverpool have still got to win the race for. And that, that and is this the me. problem when you step out of that upper echelon of football at where as much as the competition is fierce in some regards, you can have clear conversations with these footballers, I think, where there's yeah. if if you when you enter into that mush below that <laughs> Which is teams that have got <laughs> the Europa League? Yeah, yeah, but like Europa League to, to Champions with, with Champions League ambitions. Yeah, there's loads of clubs in that mix. That all some of them will actually pay above and beyond because yeah. you're going to be a star. You'll be a star signing for yeah. one of those clubs as opposed to being well, one you, of the. You pack. are also. I mean, it doesn't help. It really doesn't help that Newcastle are probably going to finish in the top four because. They're, they're probably that, that that promotes them a year before where they probably were. They, they would probably be still making those kind of. The odd signing where you go, oh, that's a that's a decent signing for them. Now they can actually go, <laughs> we've got the money and we're in there. You know, they they can they can move up a level in terms of the players they can get. You know, it wouldn't amaze you if they got Declan Rice in this summer or James Madison or you know levels of that where you go, well, a year you'd expect at this point that would have been beyond them. Now all of a sudden it's like, no, we get good, we will, we'll push the button on that. So I don't think that that certainly doesn't help. It probably doesn't help what Arsenal have done. Mm-hmm. You know that they've. They've exceeded expectations massively, put themselves in a position where obviously they've already spent a fair bit of money to, to get up there, and now they're they're potentially doing it as title winners or at the very least title contenders and a Champions League club. That's two new people into the into the mix that you didn't have to worry about twelve months ago. Yeah. You were worrying about Chelsea, weren't you? And you were worrying about Manchester United. You were maybe worrying about Tottenham, kind of. But now you've got two new two new people at the table who not only are above you in the table. That's probably going to be looking at the same kind of players that yeah. you're looking for as well. So 
and, and, and able to pay for them. Yeah, yeah, I mean, my only counterpoint to the thing you said earlier about the, whether Liverpool can do it or not, like, obviously this is with Julian Ward in charge, of course, but at least we saw with Diaz and with Darwin yeah. that they were the ones they wanted. And yeah. they went and... They went and Gakpo. And, and, yeah, and yeah. Gakpo and actually just went and got, went and got the business yeah. done, of course. And just before we, we kind of move on and get some of the Discord comments, these people are wrong about this stuff sometimes. I know it seems pretty conclusive yeah. now, and I know I don't think anyone should. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah, no. Um, I know what you're saying. I, you know, I was, I was trying to. I had a lot of people kicking off in our Red Men for the Family WhatsApp group uh, last night, and understandably, I think everyone's obviously raging about it. I'm just a bit. I feel just a bit detached from everything at the minute, so I'm not kind of as, not not like I'm not concerned for Liverpool's future, but I'm, I'm less emotionally attached. But. It, happen, it does happen. It does. This kind of stuff happens all the time, and you know, people have already been finding tweet examples you've where just, you've just, Joyce's got it wrong, and, and you've said just mentioned one. To be honest, inadvertently, you just mentioned one. Then your Danny Ward was was oh, is obviously one that a lot of people will remember. Oh yeah, certain people said Danny Ward was going to be Liverpool's number one, and two week two days later they signed Allison. Of course, ah, uh, it's not it's not unfeasible that that you know it's a. A, a, a pretty public and sort of wild negotiating tactic. Don't I, I, I don't look. I look at look at some of the language. I didn't. I don't think I used it, but I think the headline on the Athletic is Liverpool pull out of Jude yeah. Bellingham. I think. Yeah. I think. I think Chris Bascom's piece said some. I think that was the uh, out of the race. It's hard. To, it's hard to see that that changes. You know, any time dramatic or any any sort of level of. It would be a dramatic turnaround. <laughs> there are there are scenarios. I mean, it's on it's on here. I think on this, any chance that he just basically says, "I want Bellingham," just says, "I want Liverpool," and that's that. <laughs> but I don't I don't necessarily see that. Um, but yeah, you're right. Until 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 something sort of categorically happens, i.e., he signs his new contract or he goes to wherever, there'll still be people holding out hope. And good luck to them. Um, this is, yeah, the conversations that I've had, the conversations that obviously the rest of the the pack around uh, Liverpool have had. I mean, you mentioned David Ornstein, that was a couple of weeks ago, wasn't it? So the noise, the chatter, the the conversations all seem to be pointing in, in the direction that we're, we're talking about it at the, at the top of the show, you know, race over. Um, and that's, I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news, to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, a fascinating conversation there. I'm sure you'll agree. Nobody's particularly happy Liverpool aren't pursuing Bellingham anymore, but there's loads of possible outcomes in this race just yet. And make sure you keep an eye all over our socials and indeed our content to see exactly what Liverpool do over the summer. Next up, we'll go to an transfer insight where I myself spoke to Ian Doyle of Liverpool Echo to get a little bit more on the Jude Bellingham situation, plus a real deep dive into some of the alternative targets that Liverpool could go after this summer. You mentioned sort of rectifying mistakes and, and doing that is going to be the main task you would imagine this summer now. Um, and to do so, there's going to be a list of midfielders and we're going to run through a few of them now, most of whom you mentioned in your article after the fact about the Jude Bellingham news just last night. Um, you wrote that Mason Mount, a player that's been spoken about a lot in Liverpool circles in recent weeks and even months, it's fair to say, obviously has a contract dispute 
this going on at Chelsea, whatever you want to call it. Um, you wrote that he was emerging as the new priority at Liverpool. Where do you think that situation lies right now? Well, Bellingham was the was the priority. Mount was second, so it's, yeah. by definition, he's now the top one. Um, I think it's an interesting one. It goes back to what we talked then about Klopp uh, wanting his business done early. I think he won't want to get involved in a Mount contract dispute or whatever it is with Chelsea. Mm-hmm. He'll probably say to him, "Look, do you want to come or not?" Yeah. If he says no, they just move on. With Mounts, again, you know, it's he's English, which is going to help them, as we mentioned before. Mm-hmm. He knows the Premier League, which I think is something else that Liverpool are going to have to look at because they want players who can hit the ground running. Yeah. They go back to Wijnaldum and players like that. And it's funny you look back and you go, Wijnaldum, Shakiri, um, Van Dijk, Mane, Salah. Yeah. All of those players were able to come in straight away, whereas it took Firmino, Fabinho, Cater to a degree. It took them a little bit longer to acclimatise. 100%. So that's another thing that they're probably going to bear in mind. They're not just going to go out and buy three players from abroad. They're probably going to be players, if not from the Premier League, then they will have featured in the Premier League in the past, so they know what to expect. So yeah, Mount, he will be somebody that's very high up there. He is, at the moment, he will be the priority, but again... It's, it could very quickly change if he decides, well, I want to drag this Chelsea thing out. And Liverpool just go, well, we can't go, you know, can't be waiting for you. We need to move on. Yeah, 100%. It feels to me as though for Mason Mount, he is he is waiting for Chelsea, essentially. I still feel, this is a personal opinion, I should say that, I still feel like his preference would be to stay at Chelsea and get the new deal. I mean, they've tried to go to the negotiating table a couple of times, haven't they, with that one? And what fascinates me about this deal more than anything, Ian, is, is the fee. Because I've seen it reported recently that it might still be around the 60, 70 million mark. Now, a Liverpool really inclined to pay that much for a brilliant footballer, wonderfully talented player, young enough, fits the profile, um, England international, the homegrown aspect, like you say, but with one year left on his contract, are they likely to go and pay 60, 70 for him? Well, they've already done this before with Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, which was six years ago, and they paid 35 million for him. Mm-hmm. So if you go by how the market's been inflated since then, you are looking at about 50 million pounds. Yep. I don't think they'll go much more over than that. Well, I wouldn't be anyway. Mm-hmm. Depends how much they want to play. Come back to, again to Bellingham amount. What you would say about Bellingham amount is that neither of those are a defensive midfielder, no. which is the issue that Liverpool have had more than anything. Or rather, the issue that's emerged over the last six to nine months, which Definitely. is what Klopp could not have seen coming. And... That is what I think is the reason why they've stepped away from Bellingham because they know they've got to invest in another defensive midfielder. Now, Mount's not that. Bellingham's not that. Maybe they've just, this is just me not guessing. This mm. is maybe they've gone, well, we can't get both of them. We can get one of them. And Mount's obviously cheaper. So I think the more, most money in my mind, I wouldn't be surprised. And again, this is just guesswork. This is going to, what I actually think and what's needed in the team. Mm-hmm. The most money will be spent on a defensive midfielder. That's a fascinating. And you know what? I actually make you right. For a long time, sort of over the summer and last season even, I felt like we needed an understudy to Fabinho, someone to come and take the pressure off him. But now, given his form this season, I don't think I'm too out of place saying we probably need a replacement for Fabinho, I think we might need. So that's a really interesting viewpoint. Um, and I want to come on to a possibility in that. And it's actually not somebody you named, but Declan Rice's name has been circulating a little bit. Now, it's a similar situation, actually, in many senses, in terms of coming into the final year of his deal at West Ham. And he's a player that West Ham have previously demanded or said they would like over £100 million for. Now, they're not likely to get that sort of money for him either, are they? No, and then you're looking at, well... Mount and Rice both entering the last year of the deals. Both of them 
for teams who aren't going to be in Europe next season. Well, unless actually that's not even true, is it? West Ham West could, Ham could, West yeah, Ham yeah. could win, and, and Chelsea yeah. could win the Champions League. So well. at the moment, I don't know. You know, <laughs> you know, I don't necessarily think Real Madrid are brilliant, even though Liverpool. That's no, true. Um, then again, Chelsea aren't particularly great, but we have to work on the basis that possibly might not be in Europe. But more importantly, they're England internationals as well. Mm. There's a bit of a premium with that. Yeah. Again, we saw with Oxlade Chamberlain six years ago. So, I mean, then you're looking at 100 million for Rice and Mount. Now, would Liverpool want to sign both of them? Depends who else is there. I mean, they're not going to rule anything else, but, you know, Rice has been linked with a lot of other clubs. He was linked with Chelsea, probably going back to Chelsea for a long time. But obviously, they've, they've yeah. made about 57 signings since then. United, they're looking at players. I don't think Manchester City need one at the moment. I don't think anyway. So, if Rice does want to go anywhere, I suppose he could go to Newcastle. So that'd be interesting if Liverpool and Newcastle end up in some kind of, you know, again mm-hmm. that's just speculating over over any kind of players over the over the next uh, couple of months over the transfer window. So, no, yeah, Rice is an interesting one, but he's not he's not a name that I've heard mentioned with Liverpool anyway. Let's put it that way. Okay, fair enough. Um, another name then that you did mention in your article last night, Ian, was Jao Paulinho. Now. Yeah. One that's come from a little bit left field, I suppose, in many senses, not in terms of the link to Liverpool, but in terms of this season, because he has been, I suppose, sort of for Fulham as well. They've been outstanding, haven't they? They've come from nowhere in many senses. Nobody really expected them to have the campaign that they're having. But Paulinho has been the heart of that and there has been some interest in him. And do you think he's a possibility for Liverpool? Well, we got told quite a few few months ago now, actually, that Liverpool had to a lot of players on the list. There was some talk of there being two lists, one if they get in the Champions League, one if they don't. I'm not entirely sure that was true. I think there may have been a list is if we get Jude Bellingham, is if we don't get him. And I think that's possibly where Liverpool are at the moment. There's a lot of, I mean, a word that gets, a phrase that's getting used a lot from inside the club is spinning plates, by which you don't know where they're finished in the league, although now it looks as though they're not going to be in the Champions League. You don't know how much money they're going to have to spend with the investments, although obviously now it looks as though that's not going to be happening the transfer window but more importantly they don't know what the other teams want and which other players are going to be moving around there's a lot of teams who need midfielders mm-hmm. not necessarily defensive midfielders as we pointed out but midfielders look at Man City I mean I think Silva Gundogan and there's another one who's I can't remember the other one is that's over 30 or above so they're going to need a refresh you know United possibly they'll look to, to go again Chelsea will always want to sign players Newcastle I've already mentioned Arsenal will want to strengthen yeah. because they'll be in the Champions League. So, so whether they finish first or second, they're still going to be in the top four. So there's going to be a lot of competition. It also means that a lot of players are going to be moving around and it's not going to be until the season finishes that things start moving. Mm-hmm. And I know that's pretty stating the obvious because you know the transfer window is open until July, but we know quite well that players talk, players move around and we know that the deals get done before then. Yeah. So that's why there's a lot of players on the list and I wouldn't be surprised if you know, we mentioned the, the lad from Fulham. The he's somebody he's coming Premier League. He's got a year's Premier League experience, like the Casado from Brighton as well. He's another one. Mm-hmm. I mean, and they're two teams who are obviously doing a lot better than people expected. Yeah. But they also play a kind of a way that Liverpool want to play. In terms of Brighton, it's quite it's attacking and it's it's, it's you know it's a bit, for Fulham it's a little bit the same if a little bit more energetic than perhaps than Brighton. Brighton tends to use the possession a bit more. Mm-hmm. They're the players who wouldn't take that much adaptation, you wouldn't think, to come into a Liverpool team. And especially, the, it wouldn't be like going to, a, for example, I don't, they're probably going to might get relegated to Bournemouth and go, well, what's this? They'll have been. They'll know, what, they'll know what to expect. They'll know what it's like to go to Goodison and play. They'll know what it's like to go to Old Trafford and play. Places like that. So it won't be new for them. And mm. I think 
that's why I was going back to what I said before. I think players with Premier League experience will be utmost in the minds of, of Liverpool. But that's not that's not to say that they won't be looking abroad and going, well, we can nick a player here or there, which is they've done that in the past. Yeah, of course they have, yeah. And I think I think you're right there. I think Liverpool do need sort of plug and play footballers for the Premier League because it has been such a disappointing season by Liverpool standards that fans, generally speaking, are going to want to see a pretty immediate improvement. They're not the fans of the be-all and end-all in all this. Jurgen Klopp's going to want to see a pretty immediate improvement at the start of next season. That's why I think most of the business that we do see this summer is likely to be players that have that Premier League experience, like you're saying. Paulini is an interesting one. I don't think he's a name that will excite everybody, but he's had a really, really good season, like I mentioned before. He is 27, so age-wise, it's not the perfect fit, potentially. But what he is at that age, he is ready to go, isn't he? He is in the prime of his career, if you like. And you mentioned Caicedo there. I just touched on him. I think he's a fascinating one. He's a player I really like, but I wonder... He signed a new deal, didn't he, recently with Brighton, probably protecting his value more than anything. And we know Arsenal have been keen on him as well, as well as they have Declan Rice. I wonder whether there's a world whereby Arsenal might get one of them, Caicedo or Rice, and Liverpool maybe pick up the other one, potentially. Well, yeah, but then, as I said before, you could throw Newcastle into that. There's a lot yeah. of teams now who are in that. Now, there's another lad who, uh, who plays for Southampton, uh, Lavia, is it? I can never pronounce his name. Yeah, he yeah. came he, from Man City, I think. He didn't came he? from Man City, but the complication there is that Man City got a buyback option. Now, yeah, pretty sure if Liverpool go or not even just Liverpool, but one of the leading clubs goes over to that and says, Can we buy him? Yeah. City will probably take him back and say, Well, we'll sell him to you for a lot more money. So that's the complication there. So that would be an interesting one. But he's not a player that I've heard being mentioned with Liverpool. But mm. now that Bellingham is off the list, going to be a lot more players and what, what I think is quite interesting is that Bellingham isn't the only footballer who'll improve Liverpool's midfield a lot of fans are getting really upset and in some ways he probably while he would improve almost any team that he goes into the position he plays is perhaps not even the one that Liverpool need most as we were saying before in midfield itself no. so there are a lot of players out there who's got to improve Liverpool they won't cost as much as Bellingham they might not be as attractive names mm-hmm. will they be able to move Liverpool back up to where they were in a couple of years that's the real question that I think fans are looking at but then I think expectations are going to have to be tempered for next season because how many teams have gone from eighth to challenging for the title you know what I mean even Arsenal finished fifth mm. so last season so Liverpool next season are just going to be looking to get back into the Champions League and have some decent runs in, in some of the cup competitions so mm. it is a transition I don't think the transition was as much as Klopp was expecting this season in terms of the way things have gone poorly but he knew things were going to change mm. and they're going to change even more in the summer so it will have taken if, if, if Liverpool take 18 months to turn things around well they've already had nearly 12 so yeah you know you, you probably settle you'd probably settle for that um because you know great teams don't just go on forever unfortunately there has no. never been in a team that's just won everything it's never happened no it's unfortunate really isn't it yeah it's a shame i wouldn't mind that and there's one final name here i want to ask you before you go because the last name you mentioned in your piece yesterday um yori telemans now this is an interesting one because he of course will be available for free this summer he will be a free agent from leicester do you envisage a world whereby Liverpool go and get that deal? Obviously, financially, it makes an abundance of sense. But do you think he is the type of player Liverpool should be looking to bring in? The only thing with that is that if you're buying Tielemans for nothing, he's the third midfielder of three. Yeah. So you'd have to have got two strong, energetic midfielders because Tielemans is quite classy. He's good on the ball, got a good shot on him, but he can't really run, let's be honest. And yeah. 
that's okay if you've got two other players who can do a load of running in midfield, but mm-hmm. you don't want it if he's going to be one of the two who's expected to, to get around the pitch. Because other people can do that with Thiago, for example. Thiago, if you've got two runs with Thiago, he can go and do his thing. So I do think that, that that's the only way you, you've seen Tielemans at, at Liverpool. And then, obviously, that most of the Leicester team could be up for sale if, if they go down. But then, then why would you want to sign loads of Leicester players if they've got relegated? Yeah, that's the other Liverpool point. Have shown, isn't it? To be fair, Liverpool have shown in the past. Liverpool have shown in the past with Robertson, Van Alden, Shakiri. Yeah, that they can take good players from relegated clubs, and it's not just them that's done it. Other teams have done that. Yeah, the value to be had, isn't there? And you mentioned sort of Bournemouth potentially going down earlier, and straight away Philip Billing popped into my mind because I was at the Bournemouth game a few weeks ago, and he just ran through our midfield, essentially. So you do wonder whether there is a world whereby Liverpool do look at those types of players that do get relegated eventually. But at the minute, it's hard to know who that is because about nine clubs could get relegated from the Premier League. Yeah, that's, so. yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. Well, again, that just shows you how long the list could be. It's, yeah. it's not just Liverpool. There's an all, all, a lot of teams. The other complication as well, you had a World Cup in the middle of the season and normally loads of players move after the World Cup. Yeah, well, true. probably a little bit more movement than we expected in January. There's still nothing compared to what you get in the summer, so it's going to be it's there's going to be loads of changes in the summer, and it won't just be Liverpool. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Yeah, brilliant to talk to Ian, as always. And yeah, some names there that Liverpool have been heavily linked with in recent weeks. And it's going to be a very intriguing time ahead. So make sure you keep your eyes and ears tuned to everything that we do, because we promise to bring you the very latest in anything Liverpool-related, especially when it comes to transfers. And speaking of transfers, we go to another Transfer Insight show. I actually spoke to Ben Jacobs of CBS before all the Jude Bellingham stuff kicked off so we spoke about possible Liverpool midfield targets all with the mind that we were still going to be pursuing Jude Bellingham of course we didn't but yeah I spoke to Ben Jacobs this week and here is a clip from that show 
One piece of early news you mentioned there that players decide on their future. We heard obviously recently that Roberto Firmino would be leaving the club. Now, I want to start, Ben, if I can, with another player who's out of contract at Liverpool. We know Cater and Oxley Chamberlain are heading out, but James Milner's future remains relatively undecided, I think it's safe to say. But you recently told Give Me Sport that although he would like to extend his stay at Liverpool, it could ultimately be time for the player and the club to part ways. And that seems to be the Liverpool perspective on it now. Do you want to speak on that a little bit more for us? I think that's accurate. There's been no talks yet about any kind of renewal. Jurgen Klopp has said that he values James Milner and a lot may also depend on Milner. Does he see himself playing another season at Liverpool or elsewhere? What are his plans for post-football? And you can sort of see some kind of halfway house almost, at least in theory, where Milner wants to have less of a role on the football side, but stay within Liverpool in some capacity. Those conversations haven't yet happened to any degree and time is running out. And because Liverpool haven't acted yet or tied anything up with James Milner, it's looking like a parting of ways is very possible. Now, if Milner was offered something, I'm sure he'd take it and would like another year at Liverpool. He said very openly that he still feels that he can complicate things in some ways by the fact that Liverpool would be looking at younger and a midfield revamp, but Milner in form would give that question mark and something to think about in terms of continuity Mm -hmm. and having that experienced head. And that's where the complication lies. It's a very pleasant headache to have in many ways. But Milner's form, Milner's consistency, Milner's on-field impact has kind of waned a little bit. And I know it was only one little moment, and we certainly shouldn't blow it up to be bigger than it was. But I think back to the Chelsea-Liverpool game at Anfield, and there was one moment where Mudrick came on, he was Mm -hmm. making his debut, and his lightning pace and Mudrick's one of the quickest players in the Premier League, which is why I don't want to make something blown out of proportion, but it just sort of showed me as Mudrick zipped past Milner with ease, almost in second gear, that golf and what Liverpool need at the moment, particularly in that position is not just the leadership and the quality that Milner can bring when on the ball, but pace and dynamism and energy and players that can win the ball back and defend from the front. And Milner used to have a bit of everything. And obviously now certain parts of his game are not probably up to the standard that Liverpool need. And that's why I think that even though Klopp values the experience, the squad player, in essence, Liverpool haven't moved yet to try and tie him down. So it's still a fluid situation, but I think Mm -hmm. it's very possible that James Milner leaves at the end of the season. And if he does, I think that that will be more a club decision rather than necessarily... Milner telling them that he wants to go, whereas with Bobby Firmino, it was the other way around. Liverpool were absolutely desperate to try and keep Firmino, and they tried, but it was Firmino that dictated he was going to go at the end of the season. With Milner, it could well be the other way around. Even though Klopp is one voice and values Milner, I think that if you are quite cold-hearted about it Mm. and you think about Liverpool's future rather than only the now, then a parting of ways might be the best scenario for everybody. 
Yeah, 100%. And there's lots of different factors to this. I think you touched on the experience and what he offers around the dress room and around the training ground and indeed the squad. And even we're going to bring in some new players and Milner's influence on them could be really important. But the flip side of that is you're freeing up a space in the squad for a start. You're freeing mm -hmm. up some wages. And like you say, Milner himself might be thinking, I can still offer something on the pitch here. And just to finish on Milner, Ben, I wanted to ask you, do you think if he was to become a free agent, there'd be suitors out there for him, wouldn't there? For sure. In essence, you have a player that's a fantastic influence and leader, and it's all just going to depend on what he wants to do with his career. Does he want to stay within football? And is there anything from a transitional position that he can do with one extra season, either at mm. Liverpool or elsewhere? There might be some clubs that are coming up to the Premier League that want that type of experience. And he strikes me as the kind of player that isn't going to demand to play every single week, not at this kind of level. No. Alternatively, does he want to try a new experience abroad? Is somewhere like MLS a possibility for him? Is a payday in one of those leagues that we know are notorious for banding money around the kind of option for him? Yeah. And I think with James Milner, because the kind of character he is, leader he is, influence he is, you're going to get a high volume of interest and the beauty of kind of leaving Liverpool for Milner, for me, is wherever he goes, everyone would know that it's only short term. So if Milner stays at Liverpool, you might get a few groans from Liverpool fans because they appreciate what he's done. Mm. They appreciate that he's still been involved this season and they know the kind of impact he can have, but it still feels like comparative. Why are we extending him rather than, as you say, freeing up the squad space and bringing in somebody that's a bit more dynamic, a bit younger and for our future? If somebody new signs James Milner, they know that it's probably only a season or two seasons maximum. Yeah, yeah. They're well aware of the age when they sign the player and they're saying, can he help us stay up? Can he help us consolidate in the Premier League? Can he help us go up if he drops down to the championship or from the perspective of other leagues like MLS? Yeah. Can he ultimately add that little bit of star power and quality that maybe our team or our league is lacking? So mm. it's sort of a win-win in that respect because it becomes fresh start, fresh challenge, short-termist, and a new fan base can get excited about James Milner. Whereas to get the Liverpool fan base excited about James Milner, he's got to somehow roll back the ears consistently. And to me, that seems like a very big challenge at the moment. Yeah, 100%. I make you right on that. And the MLS is a fascinating point of view, actually. I hadn't even considered that, but we've seen so many players do it down the years, mm. haven't we? There's no reason why not. Um, speaking about some fresh faces or potential fresh faces, as it were, um, I'm going to come to Ryan Gravenberg to begin with. Um, you recently wrote that there are fading chances for Liverpool of making that deal happen, obviously Bayern Munich, youngster. Somebody Liverpool were interested in before he we went to Munich from Ajax. Um, where does that situation lie as things are? Well, at the moment, Thomas Tuchel made it one of his first priorities to speak to the player. It was very telling in his first training session that there was quite a long conversation between Gravenberch and Tuchel. And from what I understand, they've also had one-on-ones to try and work out why the signing from Ajax didn't work under Julian Nagelsmann. There's two sides to every story. From the perspective of Nagelsmann, he was quite frustrated by the players' lack of discipline defensively. And I think with Gravenberch, he likes being given a little bit more freedom and to get box to box and to try and have an impact both in the centre of the park, but also in more advanced areas where he can. And he's not mm. known as a prolific goal scorer, but he can still impact 
through assists, through winning back second balls and then distributing very quickly and making his presence felt because he's six foot three and he can drag defenders out of positions and he does chip in with the odd goal or he can. But then since moving to Bayern in a more competitive squad, mm. I think that Nagelsmann wanted to use him a bit more rigid and in game management scenarios and felt like that defensive work ethic and that tactical acumen wasn't there at times. Okay. So when you look on paper at Gravenberch at Bayern since he's moved, I think it's 26 appearances and one goal, but he hasn't started that many games. So if Nagelsmann had stayed, mm. come the end of the season, the player might have felt quite unsettled and Nagelsmann clearly didn't manage him particularly well. Two sides to every story, but that will definitely be the perspective of Gravenberch, that he was kind of frozen out a little bit, that yeah. he wasn't motivated, that he didn't really get a fair chance and that he wasn't played to his strengths. That's where Liverpool come in with, as you say, that historical interest. And they say, mm -hmm. maybe there's a window of opportunity here, but Thomas Tuchel's made it absolutely clear that the player's going to get a clean slate, a fresh start. And that makes the summer transfer very unlikely because obviously he's not even been at Bayern for a full season. They have to think about what, they paid, getting any kind of value if they get rid of him, but also Thomas Tuchel and looking at him through different eyes. And this is why I think that Gravenberch is going to stick it out through the summer now at Bayern and yeah. anyone prizing him away from them is going to have a task on their hands. One, because to get a player that soon after they joined a club like Bayern, you're not going to get market value. Liverpool don't usually go down that direction. You've got to persuade the player who under a new manager is more settled. And when you add those two things up, mm. any possibility of prizing him away again in the short term now is far less likely than it was if Julian Nagelsmann was still at the club. Yeah, it makes perfect sense, really. And I suppose in many senses, a little bit of a shame from Liverpool's perspective because you look at a player like Gravenberch, tons of ability. And you think if it hasn't worked at Bayern like it wasn't previously working at Bayern, you could land yourself a real bargain there if he wants out of the club. But like you say, with Tuchel there now, and it actually leads us on to our next point quite nicely, not only because it's Tuchel, but also because the new manager at the club looking at a player through very different eyes. And that's Frank Lampard going in at Chelsea and the Mason Mount situation. Now, this one fascinates me because... In my eyes, and to my money, a brilliant footballer, England international, you know, has been a regular for Chelsea down the years. Mm -hmm. Hasn't been favoured pretty much exclusively this season, whether it be under Potter or prior to that even. Um, what do you make of that situation right now? Liverpool have been heavily linked with Mason Mount, I think it's fair to say, as of other clubs. Liverpool seem to remain well in the mix right now. But in terms of Mount's future, how do you see that panning out over the summer? Well, Mason Mount has rejected two offers from Chelsea and the thing to understand here is that under the new ownership group, the mount that started these talks versus the mount now is not only a player whose form has declined, mm. but he's dealing with conversations that have shifted because when he first started speaking, he could have potentially, if it had moved fast, got a deal similar to Reese James, which would have made him one of the highest earners at the club and being quite, for want of a better word, Abramovich-like. Whereas since January, Chelsea are all about everyone buying into a new wage structure yeah. that is more incentive driven. So you've got to sign a longer term contract. You've got high potential to earn, but your base wage may be lower. That's not to say that it wouldn't still be improved from his current deal, but maybe lower than the number that Mount wants. And there's also incentives that work the other way, whereby the club has the ability to reduce your wage if 
Chelsea don't make Champions League football. And I think that's quite problematic as well, because imagine if Mount had signed in January, whatever he signed for was looking like and still is, unless Chelsea win the Champions League, declining come the end of the Mm. season. And this is normal in the sense Manchester United have always had this. It was an issue with Cristiano Ronaldo. I think he scored 18 goals in the Premier League in the season before he left last season and then was asked to take a wage cut. And he didn't feel that that was fair because his personal performance had ultimately been quite strong, but the team hadn't made the Champions League. So there's a lot of moving factors here. And Mm -hmm. then obviously when Mount first started speaking, he was coming off the back of a season where he scored 11 Premier League goals. And now the form and the game time has both declined. So does that impact what Chelsea want to offer as well? So the situation is that there's an impasse and talks at the time we're recording have been parked and will be picked up either towards the end of the season or at the end of the season. Now, it's not true that Chelsea have, in inverted commas, agreed to sell Mason Mount. I've seen some speculation out there that has suggested that Chelsea have somehow given up and Mount will definitively be sold. Chelsea still really rate Mount. They want to keep Mount. And they will therefore try a dialogue with Mount and that could still be impacted by new manager and where Chelsea even finish. If they can somehow make a push for European football, it might not sound like a lot, but it shows progress. And it's not so much having Europa League or Europa Conference League, it's progress. Whereas Mm -hmm. if Mount under Lampard, who you'd expect, by the way, to play him, but if Mount under Lampard isn't scoring, isn't playing, Chelsea finish 11th in the table, the squad is still swollen, there's no real certainty over the new manager is, then Liverpool become in a strong position because they are able to say, here's a clear project, this is your role, you can either help us return to Champions League football or Liverpool could still obviously mathematically get Champions League football and then there becomes a big difference between the two projects Mm -hmm. so Liverpool have the advantage at the moment in the sense that the interest is concrete they're moving they feel like there's a real opportunity Mount is of the right age they feel like the right manager can help him recapture that goal scoring form of last season and perhaps most importantly they can give him a clear and defined role Hello again, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that, where myself and Ben spoke about some of the possible targets for Liverpool, as well as James Milner's future, of course. And now we go straight to the deep dive, where Chris and Josh take a tactical look at some important Liverpool-related news this week. Uh, We've got Henderson, Thiago and Milner, um, all over 30 years old. Uh, Thiago's contract runs out in 2024. Um, Milner's is obviously 2023. Cater and Ox are both contracted until 2023. They're 28 and 29, respectively. Jones, 22 years old, 2027. Just contract Elliot's 20 years old, 2027. Start with Henderson. Have you got any question marks over the captain? Um, oh, we might have. I don't think so. Oh, I don't think so. for a juicy um, social just, clip then. I'm just looking at it. It's just a disaster, isn't it? Like, that's a mess of a midfield, that. <laughs> Honestly, it really is. You've got three lads there who are out of contact in the summer. Three are over 30. Henderson and Milner are both 32. Um, when no, she... Milner's 37. Sorry, Henderson and Thiago are both 32. I'd love Milner to be 32. <laughs> got another fucking six <laughs> years of him. I know, Milner's prime. He's in his prime, yeah. Uh, but yeah, Henderson and Thiago are both 32. And, and Thiago's contract expires next summer, and I think he probably just leaves for free. Yeah. Um, 
they're just all getting off, mate. They're, yeah. all, they're all getting well, off. The two lads are in the prime age, a cater and ox, and they're fucking gone. Yeah. <laughs> so you've got three 30-year-olds, a 22-year-old and a 20-year-old. And yeah. the 30-year-olds aren't even 30. We, we literally don't have a midfield. No. We really don't. I mean, you've got Jones and Elliot, and that's it. And Elliot, most people would say, is a forward. We don't have a midfield department. We really don't. Apart from, I'm forgetting the sixes there, to be fair. You've got Pesetage and Fabinho. Well, he's 18. Yeah, I know, yeah. It's, it's a mess, mate. I'm not, I'm not surprised that we need a few players. Right. So you've got <laughs> question marks over Thiago for next season? Are we, is that what we're doing, though? Question marks. For next season, though? Let's just do it for next season. Yeah, you've got question marks over him. Well, I think he'll leave next season. So, if, if, so if, no for next season. No question marks for next season. You for next season, he'll be, he'll be here, yeah. yeah. And no for Hendo. Milner, it is question marks and yeah. a contract expiring. Although I do kind of expect it to get done. Cater and Ox are both leaving. Jones. Have you got have you got question marks over Kate Jones? I think I would have if we had more of a midfield. But because we don't, and he's 22 and he's got a contract for another four years, I just think he'll kind of... He'll get a buy almost, you yeah. know what I mean? He'll, he'll just be, well, we don't need to do anything there, keep him because we need the bodies almost. Okay. I'm going to move quickly on to left wingers because I'm conscious that this is running quite long. Um, Louis Diaz, 26 years old, contract 2027, 20, no concerns. Jota, 26 year old, contract 2027. 20, I think there are question marks now. I love him. I think he's boss. I think he's just getting over his injuries. And I think that's why he's not scoring goals. But, when Liverpool have got so much work to do, again, I use the term saleable asset, valued at just under 50 million quid. That's a long contract, though. Like, anyone who comes in is going to have to pay through the nose to get Jota out. I, I think Jota is fine and will stay. But I see what you mean in terms of if someone was, like a Newcastle, were willing to bid 50 plus, you probably do think about it, yeah. So right. it, I'll let you decide what, what that means. I'm. <laughs> that was my lens. Um. <laughs> How the... <laughs> the fuck? That's happened to me, that you know, I've had that in the past in school and that. What the fuck? <laughs> right, let me just make this bigger. <laughs> um, <laughs> you want to see the size it's gone to now, by the way? It's <laughs> Jota. You've got to keep that in, lad. You've got to keep that in. Jota, I'm going to go no question marks. <laughs> My eyes are proper skin and sp sp fucked up now. Um, Carvalho, there's no question marks. Um, Salad, there's no question no. marks, even though he's 30. He's the he's the lone right wing forward. Um, Nunes, centre forwards. 23 years old, contract till 2028. No. No question marks. Although where you put him, centre forward or left wing forward. Firmino, well, he's gone, so there's question marks. Gakpo, no question marks. Um, we've got an idea now. If anyone who's got question marks over them are going to be leaving this squad now, yeah. you're going to see this on the next graphic if you're watching along. We'll go through it, obviously, if you're listening along. Um, so we're going to get rid of them, and then we're going to tackle their problems from there. Okay. Okay, so I've managed to fix my glasses, but I have managed to fix the sheet that we're working from, Josh. Um, <laughs> now we've got quite a small list of players to start us off. We've only got two goalkeepers. We've kept Allison and Pitaluga. Um, we've got one left-back in Robertson because we've been sly and got rid of Tim McCash. Right-backs, we've got two in Trent and Ramsey. Sensors, we've only got three. We've got one six because we cashed in on Fabinho. We've got four midfielders, Hendo, Thiago, Jones and Elliot, who can play the eight. 
We've got three left wing forwards, Diaz, Jota, Carvalho, one right wing forward, which we always have had, Mo Salah, and two centre forwards, and Nunes and Gakpo, because Firmino and Jota we've cashed in on. Um, well, Jota we've cashed in on. It makes me think that, looking at this, where are the problem areas straight away? Obviously midfield and centre-half. I think the priorities, obviously. Um, I think the attackers largely fine, especially considering how versatile all of those players are. Like Salah, obviously the only the only right-sided winger. Mm-hmm. But then Elliot can play there if he needs to. If Jota stays, Jota can play there. Nunes can play on the left. Yeah, sorry, I, I misspoke before. Jota's in the left wingers. That's why he's still there. I said we got rid of him. We hadn't. Go on, carry on. Sorry. Right, OK, yeah. But I think the, the, the midfield department is obviously where the investment is going to come. Yeah, I think it's it, isn't it? I mean, well, for a start, we're going to need a six. In Fabinho. Yeah. Like, it makes me think that it's one job too many, Fabinho. As in? As in he's got to, he's kind of got to stick around unless you're buying a direct replacement for him. Yeah, yeah. So, so you, I, I'm there looking at that going, we need at least one centre-half to go with Van Dijk, Canate and Gomez. Yeah. At least one. We need a backup left-back because we've got rid of Timacash. That's going to be tough. Makes me think we keep Timacash around. Same. Okay, so we've got a, a, a centre-half. We need a six. I think regardless of whether Fabinho goes or stays, so I'm going to put that on my transfer wish list. Okay. I think with Henderson and Thiago both being 32 years old and Jones and Elliot both being kids, I'm going to go two midfield, two centre midfielders, eights. Yeah. And then we need a right wing forward. Do you think? We've got to have one. A right winger? Yeah. Why? Well, because Jota can play there, but he's not very good. <laughs> New Gakpo's never played there. Diaz can play there, I've been told. Yeah. It's only Salah every week. Yeah, may, maybe it's Elliot. I, 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 I think you take I, away from the field again. I think we've got on. Yeah, true. Yeah, I think we've got enough versatility though to to plug that gap in, in a way because Salah just never misses games, especially the big ones. Maybe you've got to find a bit of a solution there when it comes to like domestic cups and things like that. But I think considering the importance of this window, I think to dedicate any of the budgets to a backup Salah player is not need. I think I just don't think it's needed. I think we've got bigger fires to, to fight. Okay. So we've got a six, we've got a centre, we've got two midfielders. That's what we're looking at right now. Yeah. <sighs> a lot of money, like, well, especially you... considering you need Liverpool standard. And... Well, let's look at the lads that we've been linked with. Declan Rice, 80, 90 million. Yeah, both of you. Okay. Two eights, Mount, 40. I, I think it's fair Chelsea to say. probably get 54 and considering the talk is like 70, isn't it? So. Okay, let's say 140 on the both players there. Right? Another centre midfielder. Let's say it's Jude Bellingham. That's now 250 million you've spent. And you need a centre half who's probably going to toss you 30 to 40 million quid. There's 290 conservatively. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's obvious why we're pulling out of this Bellingham race if we are. You know, that's just too expensive essentially. I think if you're going to get Rice, you're going to get Mount. The other midfielder that you get potentially is a bit more of a a money bullish kind of sign or something like 50, that. Fifty, sixty, maybe. Potentially at, at, at max, I think. Yeah, um, at a push, someone like Moises Casado, I think from Brighton, someone like around sixty million mark for him or something like that. But um, I think to, to expect us to get Rice and Bellingham, yeah, it's not going to happen. I, I can't see that one. 
Yeah, you're looking at 200 plus just on those two centre midfielders. Now, I think Liverpool, yeah, we've been saying sort of offhand comments like Liverpool need 300 million to spend on the squad. They kind of do. Yeah. I think that's what we've kind of just worked out there, isn't it? And I, as much as it frustrates me that Liverpool aren't going in for Jude Bellingham, if you believe it, by the way, because I will say that they want to look stupid, I can understand it with the work that he's doing on the squad. Yeah. Like, what have we pulled in there? We sold Tim McCash. 15, 20 million? Yeah, at least 20. Okay. Yeah, hopefully. Go a Matip, 10, 15? Yeah. Okay, we've pulled in 30 million. Fabinho. Fabinho. If he sold, for, for, I, don't, I don't think we'd sell for less than 40. So 70, 80 million. Mm. We're asking for a net spend of 200 million quid, conservatively. Yeah. We've got a bit of wriggle room when it comes to like players expiring contracts and things like that, I suppose, but... It's it's tricky, isn't it? Um, you can see why we're suffering from these issues at the minute, and it's just like I've been a massive oversight to, to get to this point. Why do you think it's got to this point? I think Klopp has just been so loyal to specifically the lads in this midfield who he just seems to love, like 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 Henderson, Milner. He wanted to keep my album. Um, you know, we've, we've, we've got Naby there, we've got Jones there, Ox has been there for years. And I, I just think. It, we needed to be a bit more ruthless with that upgrade, certainly last summer. I don't think we've overshot it massively because you've got to remember 10 months ago, we amassed more than 90 points in the Premier League and got to all three cup finals and very nearly secured a quadruple. So it's not a massive oversight in terms of like three windows or something like that, but last summer we absolutely had to get a midfielder in at least one we'd used up all our kind of like waiting time with that and we didn't and we got Arthur Mello on loan and extended Milner's contract and it was just since then it's been all downhill really, hasn't it? Yeah, brilliant stuff again from the lads as always. Make sure you check out the full show on Red Men Plus and indeed one of the parts on our Red Men TV YouTube channel as well. So yeah, that's all for this week's edition of Red Men Weekly. If you want to check out all of those shows in full as well as all our amazing content, head over to Red Men Plus now and don't forget you can use the code weekly to sign up as a club captain yearly subscriber to get yourself a nice little 20% off. Until next Next time, I'll see you then.